0: hey good morning you guys good morning good morning i hope everyone is doing great Uh, on this sunday morning and uh things are going well for you uh our god is a god of wonders he's amazing no matter what happens to our brackets our teams it's too easy to say there's always next year but the fact of the matter is there is always next year and the cool thing about sports you know the the whole idea of sports from the get-go was to put two competitive teams on the field to present to an audience a great contest. And there is no greater contest than what we saw last week with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. What a great game. Too bad it didn't end the way that some of us would have liked it to end, but God is still good, he is still a God of wonders, and that is what we are talking about. And our goal in this series that we've been in, uh, into this new year, and uh, we'll wrap it up here in the next few weeks. The goal is this, that, that we would see the wonder of God in our life and in the world around us, and that we would be like encouraged by the wonder of God that we see in the world around us and how God works in our life and on our behalf, how He hears us and how He brings peace and comfort and strength in tough situations, and that we would then go out and impact the world, that we would be an impact to the world because of the encouragement that we see and we get from the wonder of God. And that's our goal in all of this series as we think about the God of wonders. We see the God of wonder in the world. We see them in the world all around us in lots of different ways, crazy places uh, that you could go to and, and go, whoa, that is insane, the Grand Canyon. If you ever stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and just looked at that massive crack, it is just insane. It's huge, it's beautiful, and it's just it just tells us and reminds us of God's creativeness and His awesomeness and his power and might and ability. We see the wonder of God in the womb. We've talked about the wonder of God in our brain as we thought about teaching, the teaching of the Word of God and how it impacts our brain and how the Holy Spirit then helps us uh, to know God and to understand God and to communicate with God. And, And so in teaching, our minds and our we get ourselves in the right place so that the Holy Spirit that God put in us through his Son can now communicate with him. And uh, teaching in our brain. And we talked about the wonder of God in relationships last week and belonging. And uh, so today what I'd like us to see the wonder of God in is prayer. The wonder of God in prayer. It's another natural wonder of God that we get to see in this world in prayer, the ability that we have, that we get to communicate with God, to have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe, that we can have this this communication line with God, this vertical relationship with God is the key to experiencing the wonder of God, because we're more aware of him and his presence and his work not just in our life but all around us. You know, we take a lot of things for granted in our world and in our lives like oxygen and water and every heartbeat, we just we just expect that it's all going to be there. Like somehow, you know, it's just always going to be. And we deserve it. And and until it's not there. And then we learn to appreciate when when we lose somebody that that life isn't like gonna last forever on this earth, and uh, that we shouldn't take things like that for granted. And, and we neglect a lot of things as well in this life as we live along, uh, you know, on this planet. We we neglect uh, relationships, and we neglect our spouses, and sometimes we neglect our kids, and uh, we neglect things in this world. But probably. None more than prayer do we neglect. Of all the things that we neglect, the the most important thing that we should never neglect, but we often do, is the privilege to have a direct line of communication with God in prayer, that we can talk to God in prayer. How amazing is that? The wonder of talking God to jesus the wonder of talking to jesus that's a gift that god has given us that he has blessed us with it's an honor and a privilege for us as people made in the image of god made out of the dust of the ground that we get to talk to the one who made us that is an incredible blessing for all of us to have, and I want to talk about the wonder of the tongue for a few minutes here this morning. The wonder of the tongue is a wonder of its own, that nasty, like muscular organ in our mouth, the tongue, made up of like eight different muscles all working together, pushing, pulling, twisting, turning, tasting, all the things that our tongue does. They say that a tongue is about three, 0.3 inches long the normal tongue and a guy by the name of Nick Strobril has set the record on the planet as far as they know for the world's largest tongue at almost four inches so four inch tongue this person has and wherever they measure it from uh from the tip of your tongue to wherever on your tongue but his is like four inches long and longer than anyone else's. It's made out of uh, muscles and glands and fat, and it's covered, the tongue is covered in a mucus, uh, a mucus membrane. Yuck, right, nasty. Uh, this, there's the serous and there's the dorsum. The serous is uh, the glands that produce saliva on your tongue so that your mouth stays uh, watered. And uh, the dorsum is the top of your tongue that's covered in these tiny noids, uh, noids that um, have the ability to taste. Uh, in those noids are your taste buds. And our taste buds are the thing that sends like information to our brain about what it is that's in our mouth. And did you know that each noid in your tongue contain about a t- hundred different taste uh, taste receptor cells in every noid on your tongue that, that, uh, that identify these different flavors and, and tastes, uh, bitter and sour and salty and sweet on your tongue that you are able to taste different things and whatever it is that's in your mouth. Now we use our tongue to do a lot of things. We use it to eat. Uh, we use it to talk, to whistle, to taste, to lick, and to swallow, among other things that we use our tongue for. Did you know that in most cultures, sticking out your tongue, like in American culture, sticking out your tongue at somebody is not cool. It is kind of a rude gesture to stick out your tongue at someone, unless it is the doctor like asking you to say ah. That's different. But sticking out your tongue in American culture and many other cultures is just simply not not a good thing. But did you know in Tibet, the way that you greet people is by sticking out your tongue at them. You stick your tongue out at them, they stick their tongue out at you, and that's the way they don't do this stuff. They just kind of like, kind of like this guy. Remember this dude, the "What's up, dude?" What's up? You know, sticks out his tongue and says "What's up." Well, that's in Tibet. That's how they greet each other with this tongue sticking out. Also, did you realize that in New Zealand, among the Maori people? It is a war chant to stick your tongue out at your competitor or the person on the other side. It's a war chant in sticking out your tongue at them, kind of as a sign of, we are going to now kill you. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Also, it has been known to help basketball players uh, make baskets. Uh, if you remember, Michael Jordan uh, would stick out his tongue. Uh, on many occasions as he played the game. So apparently it was helpful in uh, playing basketball. If your tongue is bad uh, or it gets diseased or you get some kind of uh, cancer and they have to remove your tongue, that's called a glossectomy. A glossectomy where they remove your tongue. Have you ever tried talking without your tongue? So try this little experiment, take your finger, Hold your tongue down. So it's a little bit of frustration to try to talk without a tongue. But if you didn't have one, there's a lot of things you couldn't do. It's amazing what the tongue is able to do. And and so, just in this little thing, this little 3.3 inch long thing in our mouth, we can see. You know, the wonder of God in all that it does and its ability to help us as human beings on this planet. Eating, drinking, talking, the tongue. It's such a marvelous thing. Well, secondly, uh, we see the wonder in the tongue. Secondly, we see the wonder of God in the word. And this is going to lead into our discussion today or our teaching today about the tongue. And about prayer and how those two things fit together the tongue we use it to do a lot of things some good some not so good right the tongue is like a double-edged sword sometimes in all of our mouths with it we joke with it we tell stories with it we brag and with it we boast in fact James said With it, we praise God who is in heaven, and with the tongue, we curse men who have been made in his image. And then he says, brothers, this should not be. The tongue in our mouth should not be used in two opposing ways. Right? We should not use it. See, God is not cool God is not cool with a bad tongue. In fact, Proverbs chapter 6 says that the Lord hates a lying tongue. And in James chapter 3, the scripture in James is all about the tongue. If you read James chapter 3, it's all about our tongue and what we say and how we use it. And James says that the tongue is such a small thing compared to the rest of our body. It's such a small thing, but yet it makes great boasts. Right? And James goes on to say that one misplaced word is like a spark that can set a forest on fire, right? And bring great harm to relationships. The tongue is potentially a world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body, and it can set your whole life on fire in a very bad way. By simple things that you might say and all of us know what it's like we're all guilty of saying things that we wish we would never have said and we've all been we've all been the victim of somebody else saying things to us that they should never have said right we we know what that's like the fire that a tongue can begin or start is incredible Uh, Isaiah the prophet in chapter uh, 57 verse 4. I'm sorry, this should be Isaiah. 57 verse 4. He said, Who are you mocking? At whom do you sneer and stick out your tongue? Are you not abroad of rebels, the offspring of liars? Isaiah does not have a good word for people who use their tongue in a negative way. God is not cool with a bad tongue. The tongue is sharp. It is. It has got the ability to cut so deep and hurt people so badly. I remember when I was in high school, uh, working at a grocery store. I was working at a grocery store in high school and um, had a number of jobs during my high school years since I was living life to, to the fullest. and. Um, Anyhow, my job that that day or for those few hours was to clean the butcher shop. And so there's knives and there's all kinds of things in the butcher shop that I'm cleaning and scrubbing. And uh, I came across as I was cleaning these very long, sharp butcher knives that were super, super, super sharp for, for just slicing through meat and bone. And I thought it would be cool to throw the scrub brush up into the air and sink the knife into the wood. And while I did that, and I suck it into the wood and then I grabbed the brush and I went to pull the knife out and I sliced my thumb right down to the bone like that. And I looked at it and I'm sure I turned whiter than white, but I had cut the tendon right in half. I could see both ends of it. And the blood was so deep purple, dark blood and I knew I was in trouble. I knew that I was in trouble, that I had cut myself hard and I had cut myself deep, and it was gonna cause some trouble for me, and it it did. The tongue is sharp like that, and the tongue very quickly can cut deep into the heart of another person, into somebody's life. And with our tongue, we can cut people in bad ways. As God's children, like as God's people, we are to have a biblical tongue. Like the things that flow off of our tongue are to be pleasing to God. They are to be things that that God would be proud of. A tongue that reflects the truth of God. A tongue that is kept in check, right? That that we keep in check. Which is nearly impossible, by the way. It's, it's, It's nearly impossible to do but God calls us to do this. In Matthew chapter fifteen, verse eighteen, uh, Jesus is teaching, and He says, "But the things that come out of a person's mouth, from are, come from the heart, comes out of your mouth, comes from the heart, and these defile the person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile." a person, he's he's comparing that to what you eat, that things that you put in your body and eat don't defile a person, but what comes out of your heart comes out of your mouth, but they come from the heart of who you are, and the tongue, the tongue is like the last checkpoint before it leaves your body, before it leaves your mouth and your mind and your heart and you and goes out into the world and into the ears of those who are hearing. Your tongue is that last checkpoint of stopping that from happening or letting it go. Uh, if you've ever officiated football or you've ever watched officials in a football game on, on the field, you, you'll notice something. You know, the officials have their own like game going on within the game. that, And it's not a game necessarily, but they have signals and they do certain things that that help them be better officials and a better team as officials. But one of the things that they do, if you will notice this, the, the side judges and all the officials, when a, when the play is about to start and the teams come to the line, they have their whistles in their mouth. So that if something were to happen on the snap of the ball, they could blow it dead right now. They're watching, the ball snapped, and if somebody jumps, they blow their whistle, throw their flag, and they, kill it before it even gets going. But once the ball is snapped, if it's a clean snap and nobody jumped off sides and there's no illegal motion, their whistle will drop from their mouth. So you may never notice this, but next time you watch a football game this weekend, uh, you watch the official. The, The whistle will drop and then the play will go. And the play will do whatever it's gonna do. He's throwing a pass, he's doing a run, running up the middle, running around, and whatever's happening is happening. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. The play stops itself. The referee blows the whistle to let everyone know that the play is over. But, but the play technically stops itself. A guy goes out of bounds, he steps out of bounds, the play is over. Now the official blows his whistle to let everyone know that the play is over. But here's what happens. They drop their whistle and they watch the play. And what's gonna happen is this. When a runner goes down or there's a pileup, the official then will bring the whistle back up into his mouth. And in that split second, he has the last opportunity to see what's going on before he blows the whistle and kills the play. We've all, we've all seen these inadvertent whistles, right? Where official blows the play dead and it shouldn't have been blown dead. Or the pass gets thrown and he thought the guy stepped out of bounds, but he did not. And so now the whistle blows while the ball is in the air. That happened the other week. Inadvertent whistles. The way to stop inadvertent whistles, you let the whistle drop. When the play seems to be over, you bring the whistle up and that gives you that one last chance to make sure before you blow this whistle and kill the play that it is truly over. Well, your tongue, our tongues are very much like that mechanism. That last checkpoint in our mind and in our body before we spit out those words that we are sure, that we're gonna say what we wanna say and maybe hold back what we should hold back. The whistle, that, that inadvertent whistle. Sometimes we say things and we should never have said them. We should have thought about them first and we should let our tongue play the role of that last checkpoint before they go flying out of our mouths. First Peter says this, First Peter chapter three, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. You see what Peter says? He says, you know, if somebody does wrong to you, don't, you, don't, you don't do wrong back to them. It's God's desire that we don't do that who slaps you on the left cheek, you don't slap them back even though you want to. Even though everything in us wants to retaliate, you know? We want to take on revenge. We want revenge. Somebody says something at us, we, we're quick to fire right back. God says don't do that. You want to see good days? and then, then keep your tongue from evil. Just because somebody's spewing evil at you doesn't mean you, as God's child, should spew evil back. Take it, big deal, right? Wouldn't it be cool if we could get we could be so godly, so mature that none of that, like Superman, just bounces off of us, we don't let it impact us or or frazz, uh, frazzle us in any way. We just look at the person and we just laugh or we don't laugh. I mean, that that's not cool. But we just look at the person and we we just maybe pray. God, help them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said, right? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, Proverbs 16 says, The hearts of the wise make their mouth prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Did you know that your words are powerful? You know, God created the whole universe, everything that we know of with words, and he gave us the ability to speak words, and words are powerful, and they have the power to build up, and they have the power to destroy, and God is not cool with a bad tongue. Ephesians 4 says this, don't let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, right? Just say things that are going to help people, that are going to build people up, make them better. And if they choose to use ugly words toward you, let it go. Like, like water on a duck's back. Just let it go. Let's, let's, like, like, let's try to really strive this year. To be the kind of person that words, we're just not going to let words impact us to where we react. are just going to think about it, take it in, let it go, whatever we got to do. Just not retaliate with our words. And then Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31 says this, from the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be silenced. God is going to have the last say on your tongue. And wisdom, righteousness, what comes from our mouths should be like the fruit of God, like things that are pleasing to God should be coming off our mouth. And I need to work on this, and I know most of us need to work on this because we react and we let our emotions get involved and we we let our anger creep up and we get mad and we say things to people that we, we just shouldn't say, you know? The tongue is a crazy piece of equipment that God has given us and put within our mouth. And it has the ability to do so much good and so much bad. James says that the tongue is so very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. In fact, in James chapter 3, check this out. James 3, he says this in verse 7 all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed. Those things are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Verse eight, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ouch, James. This is crazy. No one can tame the tongue. You see that? What James is saying is this. It is Mortiferous. Mortiferous. Your tongue is mortiferous. The tongue, mortiferous. I don't look it up. No lie. Mortiferous. It's a word you don't hear every day. It sounds kind of cool. Mortiferous. I am mortiferous. It almost sounds like, you know, a superhero of some kind. I am mortiferous. Well, it's not a good word at all. Mortiferous means the bringer of death. <laughs> the bringer of death. It means deadly. It means fatal. The tongue, James is saying, is mortiferous. It is deadly. It is fatal. It is chuck full of venom. It's like a snake that it has the potential to strike out and, and kill, kill people's hearts kill their hopes. You see, we see this with parents that are angry, rude, parents that shouldn't even be parents, and we see them just destroy their children. Maybe not physically, but emotionally and mentally. They say things. I work with teenagers, and for years and years, I've worked with youth, and, and, and the number one problem among teenagers is their parents because they demoralize them. They crush their hopes, they crush their lives. And not in a good way, there's never the building up, it's only the constant destruction of their heart. Mortiferous, chuck full of venom, like a poison dart. And once it hits, that poison goes to work killing, oozing with deadly evil. Mortiferous. We're going we're gonna to stop right there for today and we're going to pick up right here where we left off with this word, mortiferous. when we come back next week. May God bless you guys. Have a great week. God bless. Stay safe. And let's think about our tongue and how we use our tongue this week. God bless you guys.